0: G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 69 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining in to this really uh, special episode Um I've got a, a, a wonderful guest by the name of Rod Owen on today. Now, Rod was a, a, a magnificent footballer for the St Kilda Football Club, but also went to Melbourne later on. But, um, yeah, Rod, uh, little known to, to many, uh, was a uh, victim to, to pedophilia as a young fellow, um, which really has uh, had a tremendous impact on his life Um that basically took him into a lot of uh, destructive or self-destructive behaviours, alcoholism, drugs, all, the list goes on. Um, And when his father died, uh, when he was 15, um, just before he made his St Kilda debut, uh, that was also another significant episode in his life, um, which fueled the fire um, for him to, I suppose, just be... um, really, really unconscious of, 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 of his emotions and so forth. And um, it's really interesting with Rod. He was one of the youngest players to ever play AFL. He played his first game for St Kilda at 16. Um, much uh, to his mother's disgust, there was a bit of an agreement um, gone on between Rod's family and the St Kilda Football Club that he wasn't going to, uh, to, to play football uh, at that level until he'd finished school. And... Um, unfortunately St Kilda went um against that and uh, named him in uh, uh I think it was round one um when he was a 16 year old after a, a practice game up in Haywood where he kicked six uh sorry seven goals um as a 16 year old impressing a lot of people they signed him on a contract pretty much straight after that and got him going now as many of you know uh 16 your body's still developing your brain's still developing to are 25 basically but um Rod at 16 was living the, the life of a man um you know drinking hard partying consistently going on big benders all that sort of stuff the football club leaned down considerably um there was a, a huge drinking culture back then uh Friday nights at St Kilda football club were uh, infamous for their uh, for their binge sessions um Rob was right amongst that and that sort of took Rod right on a spiral of uh of self-destruction which lasted oh geez 30, 40 years I suppose. It would have been almost 40 years and um, uh, yeah we're going to talk a bit about that uh, as we go but um, certainly there's a lot to learn from this conversation and what I really want people to, uh, to to learn from this is the mask that we see on the outside is not always what's going on underneath and we seem to judge the mask on the outside considerably and consistently. So I'm sure you will enjoy this conversation. I really encourage you to, to share this with other people that uh, you may, uh, that, that, that may find this um, uh, you know, helpful to them. Um, and also for, for a young person that, that maybe maybe look, displaying um, self-destructive behaviours, to be able to, to show compassion in them because that's really what Rod needed at, uh, at that time in his life. Just want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, who make green organic superfoods that were really good for our physical and mental well-being. So please uh, check them out, uh, greennutritionals.com.au. Also, Pure Life Organic Sprouted Bakery. They make organic sprouted breads, which are so much better for our digestion. And when our digestion works well, our mental health works better. And I really believe that because I've tried both. And I, know, I know this works a lot better um, uh, for all body types, basically. So it's good stuff. Check them out, purelifebakery.com.au. All right, guys, sit back and listen to Rod and I going at it. It's going to be a long one and um, really appreciate you uh, going all the way to the end. Rod Owen, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks for having me, Aaron. No worries, mate. I was thinking before um, that the the fact that you and I are actually having this conversation is quite a miracle, seeing as though we've put ourselves through much uh so through our, our bodies through so much self destruction over the years, but what I did I reckon compared to you, mate, was, uh, was 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 pretty 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 small. And yeah, mate, you you've got an amazing journey, and I'm so grateful that you're you're here. You know, to have this conversation with me. Um, you know, uh, after uh, after all you've sort of been through uh, to where you are now, mate. So thank you very much.
1: No, it's um, uh, it was great to um, to hear get your email last week and um, you know if I my my story can help anyone you know I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that too so thanks for having me as I said
0: yeah and, and aren't we lucky at the moment that we can we can do this like 20 years ago we both would have felt like so ashamed uh, to well, not not so much ashamed but like just so um, distant from actually talking about stuff and I just think we've come such a long way um you know as men to be able to start to to have these conversations now and mm. you really need to be prou- yeah. proud of yourself um you know for for for, for yeah. turning this the turning the cycle or tra- breaking the cycle but also you know being able uh to be courageous enough to talk about your own experience mate
1: so good on you well it's um yeah it's so um so many years you know Growing up and everything like that, it, it, you, you weren't allowed to. You weren't allowed to. Um, uh, not allowed, but you just weren't confident enough to bring out what was going on in in your life or anything like that. You know, you dust yourself off and you'd have to get back up. You're not hurt. Get going and mm. yeah, and be a man and all that. But uh, you know, the last I don't know 10 I don't know, 10 years or something. A lot a lot has changed in society. Um, yeah, you know, when people men especially are uh, not so, you know, shy on on getting the necessary help or, you know, opening up to their to their to their demons and to their problems. So, mm.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. mate. We'll we'll talk about the good stuff first and then we'll go back through everything, but you know, as a footballer, I think you really love what you did. You actually really enjoyed being out there and playing footy and you know, were quite successful with that. Can you give us a bit of a snapshot of what football meant to you and, and what some of the good things
1: were, you know, when you actually did play? Look, Aaron, look, looking back on, on everything, I think football was an outlet for me. Um, you know, with what I went through uh, as, a, as a child at school and everything like that, um, it was to get away from authority and, and all that and look I I um I was pretty good at it um yeah I was uh, I was signed up I played my first game at sixteen at St Kilda and and um, barring injuries and everything like that you know that later took their toll it was um it, it wasn't a bad career I mean it could have been a lot better but um but I was um. I was fortunate enough to play with some um, very handy footballers in, in, you know, Tony Lockett, Robbie Harvey, Jimmy Steins, um, Voss in Brisbane. Yeah, the list. Yeah, some. Um, I played with some handy footballers. So I'm, I'm you know, truly grateful for that
0: and experience. N- not, not forget Nicky Winmar as well, ain't there? Ah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah the cousin myself have had some issues over the time but um yeah, he was a handy footballer. So did you say Michael Voss? Did you play with him? Yeah, I played up in Brisbane. My last year was in 92 true and and yes yeah, no word of a lie and um, I I had eight years at St Kilda one in one at melbourne and then one on the um gold coast with the brisbane bears the good time teddy bears Mate, and um i can imagine you uh on the gold
0: coast back then that would have been just absolute
1: <laughs> mayhem <laughs> uh, i think i was pretty wild yeah what i remember no and, um, no, unreal i am um, yeah it was, that was a carrara before the stand i haven't even been to carrara since um the new oval that the grandstands have been done or anything but we used to um have caravans as our um, officers, and uh, yeah, it was pretty laid back up there, that's for sure. One thing
0: that astounds me, mate, is um, how you used to get yourself up to train and play when you were, you know, in your downtime, putting your body through so much self-destruction with booze and, and all that stuff.
1: <laughs> you're invincible when you're young. Yeah. You're uh, you know, you never, uh, you know, you can't put an old head on young shoulders and, um, you know, I'm speaking with a bit of wisdom there, but, it, um, yeah, the more the more I drank, the more I just had to prove to myself to get back out there, you know, and, and also bricky's labouring and concreting and you're mixing with, you know, people. Back then we had to have a job as well. Mm. Um, I never took the soft option in, you know, in... Um, you know, office work or anything like that. I just love the hands-on and, and that. And then I'd train as hard as I could and try and sweat it all out and do it all again the next week.
0: Mm, yeah, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? it's just a, a, a
1: cycle. I'm interested. Well, I had so go ahead.
0: I had so much.
1: I had so much secrets, um, and that's where the drugs and the alcohol just just calmed calmed me down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, yeah as what's come out in the last oh, last week in the Herald Sun and before and on the ABC about 10 weeks ago you know the the pedophiles in in my life and everything like that really really took a toll you know and, yeah. and the alcohol I found and the drugs just Silenced, you know silenced the pain. I was feeling really inside
0: mm, mm, mate. I oh, will we'll, we'll touch on that too, but um, it's amazing you know, reading your story, I think of a mate of mine that I went to school with that um, was so talented as well, and and his yep. his behaviours uh, around that were, were really, really, really bad and, and everyone, you know, just didn't didn't take any notice of what might have been going on underneath and still to this day, I don't know what happened to him behind all this, but I reckon there was something significant, you know, he could have been anything as a footballer and, you um, Certainly uh, yeah, it makes me feel like in society we're so judgmental of, of people and we don't actually like appreciate what's what's gone on to, to make them behave a certain way.
1: It's funny you mention that, like um my story would wouldn't have been told because uh, you know, until I went into a rehabilitation centre, you know, I was um, in my one bedroom unit having that many oxycontins and, and a suicide attempt and if that if you know if that had been successful whether it was a cry for help or whether it was a, a legitimate you know uh, suicide attempt um, it just um and i'm just so grateful that the story that i survived in the story that i've told for not only for myself but for my children you know if i if i had have died they would have been told your father had that much ability. He was, you know, he had that much talent. He was just a drunken, you know, just yeah. loved the drink and the drugs, the party life. Yeah. But now they they're going they understand what happened, you know, and why you know, I've got all this, to, you know, torment and but we're getting to the bottom of it, but it just mm. it nearly, you know, it would nearly killed me, basically. Oh, yeah.
0: Mate, I I I'm hearing you like I said before that we're, it's, it's, it's fortunate that we're both having this conversation, but I was on like this cycle of self-destruction for a long time that no one really sort of, um, no one ever asked me why you're behaving like this for a start, but it was just yep. expected that you, you got pissed and you, you did it again and you did it again. And but
1: what, have, what, have, what have you told your
0: story back then? No, mate, absolutely not.
1: Uh, you no, know, uh, uh, no, that's you know, and, and that's it. I, I needed to hit rock bottom before, and I don't know. It's and probably go into the rehab and learn what I've learnt in rehab and mm-hmm. in the in the rooms and all that about you know life. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you need to and, be proud uh, of yourself for, for taking that step, mate. By the way, you know
1: that that's a big big thing to do. Well, it, uh, it was never going to be that way, you know it um but things happen for a reason i'm sure of it and Mm. and um you know I, I used to love that song you know they're going to send me to rehab and i said no, no, no. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and i used to sing that and you know stick my finger up to society and everything like that and mm. you know, for some reason our lives you know take take a turn for the better and uh, certainly this is you know one of those turns
0: yeah yeah there's lots of good that's going to come from this mate and, and and much more good stuff from you much 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 greater than your football career and, and, and you know beyond yeah that, that's for sure but mate yeah can you take us through sort of there was two significant life life, life events for you which sort of you know were the catalyst to, to your behavior and so forth so something happened in primary school um which yeah which you know i i you know that i know about and um are you yep. com- comfortable to sort of talk us through that yeah
1: yeah look it, it's um it's out there now it's um you know i'm an open book and uh, i've got nothing to hide um I was um, molested at, at primary school by a pedophile of the name of Daryl Ray. Um, since coming out, we've discovered that I, I'm not the only one there's some, something like uh, a rough estimate there's over 50 or if not more, he coached uh, Morabbin cats. He coached Little leagues and killed a little League. Uh, and he taught at numerous schools around the Beaumaris, Bentley, and oh, Sandringham areas, and over a ten-year period. So, if you roughly estimate, you know, he's he's been around hundreds, you know, if not thousands of children, and and all that. So, it's um, yeah, it's devastating. And he um, he's uh. Russell Jackson who wrote the story Broke uh, the story first of all He um, He's uncovered that His brother-in-law Gary Mitchell Was It was um, Another pedophile along with some Others that um, I'm not sure If I'm allowed to mention them actually But um, I really you know don't care. Yep, but, yep, yeah. 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 There's a ring of pedophiles around, around the area that we went to school and everything like that. So. Yeah.
0: It would have been difficult for you because you wouldn't have been able to really get away from it. Uh, if that particular individual was at school for you and then he was at football and so forth and all the things you, you
1: love well, to do. It's so funny. You know, um, i never went to school class. I, I, it's, Unbelievable, I just lost so much. It just changed my whole life, you know. And he left, I'm just trying to remember the date. In 77 at the school, he suddenly left and we were told that he'd gone overseas Mm. for some reason. And next thing, you know, in this investigation work, we found out that he got transferred to another school. Mm. Like, Like the Victorian Education Department said, like the Catholic Church. Mm. Like there's so much, um, you know, and uh, there's other stuff, you know, that I, I asked myself, you know, what was going on with, with parents with it. But those times, people trusted people. Mm. And there was no question of, you know, this going on. And I was speaking to my mother today, and she said, I didn't even know what pedophilia was yeah. back then. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I, 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 don't. I said, Mum, I don't blame you. I just don't know how it got slipped by. Mm. Like, it's just there's a lot of questions, and you know, no one's got the answers, obviously. But um, well, I'm determined, Aaron, and I mean this that I'm not stopping until it it gets to Parliament or it gets exposed, and the people you know who are doing it get exposed mm. because it it's it's fucked my life. Um, you know, it, it it's hard to explain, like, what it does to you, but, um, you know, it, it really does affect you um, mentally, spiritually and physically mm-hmm. because I, 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 I was speaking to someone recently, a movement professional coach, mm-hmm. and I asked him, all this trauma that I went through as a junior, as a kid, would this have had an effect on my playing career? And he said most definitely it would have mm. so mm. i mean there's there's you know x amount of you know money that dollars and and you know the capabilities of having a successful career outside of football because my career was cut short at 24 25. yeah yeah lots of i mean uh, yeah go ahead no it's just a, a complete roll on you know of how it and and so many kids in my area that i grew up with have had similar um you know alcohol and drug problems um you know not reaching their full capabilities as as human beings because they've been affected by these evil monsters mm,
0: it's interesting like i i think about it uh, rod like if that had happened to me at that age would i have been comfortable going and talking to my parents about it maybe but would they believe me probably not would have anything been done about it? Probably not. They would have said, "Oh, that that we can't say anything about that," you know. So it would have uh, would have been swept under the well, carpet, and that's that's so difficult for a young boy.
1: It was. It was swept. And one case that you know what what it will come out, but not just yet. One case, a lady of the boys went to the went to the coppers, and they just swept it under the carpet themselves. Mm, mm. You know, so there was nothing done then, and you know. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling to think, but it goes up so high, I think, pedophilia and, you know, without mentioning anything, there's a lot of people who are probably watching and seeing where this all ends up.
0: Mm, interesting, mate. I, I'm, you know, you need to be proud of yourself to, 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 to actually talk about it, and it's going to be touchy for a few people out there, but I guess, you know, uh, encouraging for others to be able to talk about things that may have happened to them. Uh, to them, but Rod. um, Moving on
1: from just on that, just on that, Aaron. Go ahead. Just on that, and if people are are listening, please don't blame yourself or think that you're gay or weird or something like that. We, we had our innocence taken away from us by evil monsters. We Mm. had no say in it. So, Mm. please, if you do feel like reaching out, there's um, you know, I'll, I'll give my email to um. I'll leave it with you Aaron and you mm. can post it or something like that but there is help we are getting help and we're just starting to get the ball rolling and mm. you know there's there's been some amazing emails sent to me since Saturday and um, yeah, there's, there's going to be help out there support and everything like that so please just yeah. um if you feel like speaking up you know speak to us and we'll get you the help you need
0: that's very generous of you I guess um Someone that's got some lived experience that can support someone else that's going through something that uh, you know may may not be comfortable to speak. Um, you know, can be quite confiding. So uh, that's that's really really nice to hear, Rod. Um, but yeah, look, I, I I'm so sorry for for that happening to you. And um, um, you know, what I'd like to to know from it was was it something that you you were able to talk to your parents about? I lost my father when I was
1: fifteen. He, he died of cancer and um, you know my world fell apart quite significantly then um, uh, me leaving school look there was a there was a lot of family drama going on and a lot of pressure and everything like that so I sort of left home at at 15 and um, uh, but i um, uh, you know looked after myself pretty much with um, with a bit of the the um, St Kilda influence, if you'd, if I could put it that way, that um, Ian Stewart, uh, mm. you know, without having too much into it, but he promised that he'd look after me on the deathbed of my father and um, he, he didn't put it that way. Mm. That
0: was the other significant life event, um, you know, was your dad passing, mate. I think you were really
1: close. Yeah, exceptionally close, <laughs> Mm. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I used to go. He used to be, um, which is ironic. He used to be a livestock agent. Mm. I used to travel to everywhere with him at school holidays, and uh, go. But he was used to buy pigs at the at the markets and that, and um, I'd be there with him, and then I'd go back to the abattoir and um, yeah, Mm. do all that. So we were pretty much inseparable incredible mate and speak and speaking of him he was an exceptional athlete Mm. he um sportsman he was off scratching golf he was um a snooker player a grade pennant snooker player squash player just um yeah he's a freak Mate, he died
0: died at 52 and you're 54 now so that's something that you've been able to surpass you know they could have went another way for you really quickly so you've got to really really honor that for a start but i just think rod um your dad's life had such a significant impact on you and, and dying at 52 was was well for now it would be unheard of but was there anything that contributed to to his uh, to his death that you believe
1: Ah, oh, look he, he died of uh, skin cancer and melanoma mm. that um he did have it uh, cut out but back then in 83 the, the doctor didn't the surgeon didn't get it all out They didn't realize that there was technicals back then mm. um, They took a fair slice of his arm out and um Yeah, it, it, it didn't read you know, didn't get it all out. So, um mm, poor Yeah, oh, look, yeah that, that was life then and um, they've come they've advanced so much, you know now that um, you know, I see some some mates of mine, some older mates of mine from Port Melbourne, who used to do muscling and do all that with baby oil on and and all that, and not yeah. worry about the sun. But that was the times. Yes. You know, slip, slop, slap didn't come in till about I don't know eighty something, I suppose i don't i can't remember the correct timing yeah, but weird. um back in back in the set back in the 70s and that that's all we did lived on the beach my mother was a queenslander and she loved it and mm. that was where we grew up pretty much down down black rock beach
0: mate um so it's really interesting because your, your dad died and then not long after you were you were playing like league football <sighs>
1: Yeah. yeah, well, he died 1983, January 3, and, yeah, I was playing two months later.
0: Mm. And, and you didn't have much time to grieve uh, over that, I'd imagine. It would have, been, would have hit you pretty hard.
1: I didn't. I didn't even know, you know, uh, how, you know, I'd, I'd lost my best mate, everything, and I've still, you know until i got into recovery hadn't realized that i've been holding on to that sort of trauma all those years and everything like that but as as we're talking about now Aaron there was no there was no help and the football club just wanted me out playing football mm. Mm. there was no one saying you need to talk to someone it was just you know play football you're a piece of meat now get out there right like, yeah. yeah. at a decent club and, and I mean a decent club and look I still love the colors of the F- St Kilda football club But geez they've had some very ordinary people running the club and I mean, you know mm. Some very ordinary people and and hence why they've only won one grand final I suppose, you know um, mm. But at a better club maybe they you know you would have had the, the support and you know all that But um say so, you know say V. So, do you
0: think if you had have went to Collingwood, for example, or or Carlton, or um, or Melbourne, when you were that age, they would have given you a bit more more grace than what you you were given.
1: Well, you know, I don't know. That's a hypothetical, you know, sort of question answer you're you're wanting. But I look at Timmy Watson at Essendon. He started at fifteen. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. Look. I with the trauma I went through and everything like that as I said before um, you, you know my body just wasn't Wasn't able to accept the rigors of um, of all the trauma. I'd accepted then all the training and then the drugs and alcohol And the lifestyle and everything like that something had to give and it gave all right mm. Yeah, mate. Yeah, know, so, yeah. Go, go ahead No, I was just gonna say so, you know, there's um you know, without that trauma, maybe you know who knows. You know, life life pans out. You know, in all sorts of ways for for everyone differently, and um, mm. that's my story. You know.
0: But mate, uh, you you think about it though. Like there would have been probably a, a a fair few guys that have gone through the AFL system that would have been in your shoes because they've had something happen to them when they were younger that they've never really come out with? Or there's probably people in the system now that uh, that have gone through um, some form of oh, trauma which they, they hang on to as well.
1: Oh, for sure. I'm not saying I'm unique or anything like that. We've all got, you know, my story, you know, is what it is. And every, you know, not everyone, but, you know, some people have lost parents before, you know, and, and as you're saying, other traumas and all that, it's, it's how, you know, how, how we deal with it and also, the environment. We um, and I trusted Ian Stewart, and you know, and you know that was, um, you know, looking back, that was an error. So
0: mm, you went to know, mate. Yeah, you were just doing what you thought well, was right uh, at the time. Yeah.
1: Well, the the funny thing, and I can honestly say it. You know, I I, I was told by many people to stay at school. Um, but no, I, as a, you know, as the story goes, I hated authority. I hated being told what to do. I, I rebelled against everyone because of the pedophile. So there's another, it all links towards that fucking pedophile. Mm, Interesting, mate. Yeah. I I, I,
0: I need to share something with you. And by, by way, 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 no, it's nowhere similar to what you experienced. But like, I remember something happened to me when I was younger too. And, uh, and that was just, that was traumatic for me. And it was held in my body, you know, about that trauma was held in my body. And every time I had a choice to do something bad for me, um, I did it, you know, like I'd booze hard, yep. or I'd wipe myself out. Um, yep. you know, I'd, always, I'd always leave the nightclub, not remembering how I left or God, I'd wake up and <laughs> think, how, how the hell did I get here? Um, yep. All that. Um, but when I, when I got to that stage, uh, of, of making a, a choice whether I, I do something good for me or do something negative for me I uh, was always that that sense of feeling that same feeling that I got when when that moment happened which made me take the self-destructive path you know um, yep. and, and, and just mask the the, the that, that that emotion and that feeling
1: well so true mate very yeah very relative that is I was the same mate it was the same. Um, I didn't care if I lived or died. I don't mm. know if that was the same with you, but mm. many times I'd I'd come home and put cigarettes out of your self harm. You know, putting mm. a heap of, just keep putting the cigarettes out of my arm or cut myself or yeah, you know, just mm. stupid stuff. Mm, yeah. And it was just it was just because you know I don't know. It takes you to places that you know. You, <laughs>
0: yeah it's just it's hard to explain yeah it is it is absolutely i'm trying to put my finger on it as well and um mate, um you you know like i i i could one thing i could never do was was back it up like i couldn't drink straight after I'd, i drank the night before you know my, my body just was saying hey what the hell are you doing here and it wouldn't allow me to do so i, I don't think you had a problem with that <laughs>
1: Uh, look, I shouldn't laugh because it, it really did, um, uh, my own an old saying, and I don't want anyone to, to do, but when in trouble, double was my, was my saying. Mm, yeah. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, um, I could, I i probably get out drunk. I'd must, if I've got to be truthful, that, that there's drinkers out there that out drink me in the end, but I could wake up straight away and I'd just start straight back into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's um, that. Just in the end, it's progressive. This disease I have of addiction, and in the end, I was uh, probably the worst. I was was um, walking to work in the mornings and vomiting and drinking a, a rum can just to get to work. Jeez. And that was to, that was to concrete a thousand squares. And <coughs> excuse me. And. Um, but yeah, it just progressively got worse and worse, you know, taking cocaine to work and it just keeps going. So mm. in the end it was um yeah, it destroyed me that and then I had the heap operation and um then got addicted to the to the medication. So
0: mm. jeez, mate. How the how the Sorry. Hell, I was gonna say Sorry? how the hell can you perform physical work when you're intoxicated? Oh, I wouldn't know what I was doing. <laughs>
1: well i suppose we had a tolerance of 10 mil every meter i suppose i don't know yeah it um it's up when i first started concreting mate that's the way we were taught
0: yeah you probably drink on the job and that's well,
1: yeah. well you had to yeah they were all i mean i'm not racist at all but there was a lot of wogs at work and and that's that's what they used to do, you know, mm. you, you get the grappa or you, you know, you get the beer and my first job was putting ice to cool the cans and mm. You know on one concrete and never never used ice because no one pinched his beer. Yeah. He'd just drink them warm <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so that's the way I that's the way I was brought up um, top, top you top know, with work and, and everything like that and and uh, mm. you know, and then to, to mask all the pain I was feeling inside I'd you know yeah, I just, I just go along with it. Mm. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even like beer. I didn't even like the taste of it, but I like. I liked what it did you know it stopped me thinking about what had happened
0: mm, that's true it does but then then when you wake up the next morning it comes back so so for you it was just to get straight back onto the booze so you wouldn't start that, picking again
1: that, that was the greatest that was the best i'd felt in so many years of torment mental torment that i wanted to stay there mm, you know i just yeah. wanted to stay there and then you know, experience you know meth uh not crystal meth, and the cocaine the speed and all that and that made you feel better and you could talk without worrying or any you know just those feelings you'd feel from it mm. you know i just wanted to live in it all the time so mate um, so, um it's
0: amazing how you got a partner that was actually like um supportive of you <laughs> and i i was the same i had a, I had a great wife we, we've split up then but uh, since then but like I, I put her through her through quite a bit of hell as well um, mm. you know and um um she stuck by me and uh and you know there, there was comments that towards the end that uh you need to go and um well, not so much you need to go and see some someone but it was like she was talking to a mum about my drinking and that sort of stuff and that really hurt me you know and talking yeah. to a friends about it that that actually really hurt me I I think that made me feel angry inside to be honest um uh because there was never any question about why I was well, why I was drinking and you know, I probably didn't even know myself you know because I just saw everyone around me doing it when I was younger and that was the default setting to go to that
1: Yeah it's um we it's hard to admit you're an addict mm. you
0: know Mm.
1: it was for me anyway to admit it i just i just wanted to keep going you know and, and all that but to to admit you've got a problem mm. you know it's it's very hard to do
0: so your wife had, your wife would have only seen you that like the whole time you were married in that stage She wouldn't have seen you like, i wasn't
1: i wasn't no we weren't married we were uh, but um yeah look she she was a friend of mine before um she knew me before but um yeah, she. I don't think we were together for seventeen years. There was a there was a lot of toxicity in the in the relationship, but she's just a, you know, she's very loyal and, and, and loving, you know, person at, at the time. But in the end, I I even wore her out.
0: Mm, that's true. That's that's what happened. I, I, I wore guess,
1: yeah. I wore everyone out until you know, uh, and and in, in the last after the separation. You know, I I was drinking in a pub and, and I met a, a my partner now Who's with me now five years and we've got a an unbelievable um, loving relationship where it's based on you know, the principles of narcotics anonymous and spiritual principles of love honesty open-mindedness and and you know all that so mm. I mean for for the hard road that I went down, you know, to to finally, because it was very hard to to love anybody. Yeah. Back when I was in active addiction, because of I was just stuck in that, you know, poor me, um, self pity about what had happened and all that. But since I've um, since I've been in recovery, you learn, you know, to move out of out of self-pity and self-obsession and self-centeredness and everything like that and and try and be willing to You know to forgive and move on So
0: It's hard to love someone else unless you love yourself
1: No truer words, right? No mm-hmm. truer words have mm-hmm. been spoken and and I still have have difficulty in um, in you know self-acceptance and self-worth and all that so You know it's an ongoing battle, um, but you know, it's um, where I'm at now is a lot better than where I was before recovery started. Believe me.
0: Well, there's going to be a lot of people that are that are going to benefit from that ride too. You know, um, and all the, all the things you've been through um, have brought you to where you are now for a reason, I guess. And and that's that's so that's so important because you're such a great teacher because there's so many young people that are probably going through similar things to what you've been through. Um, that, uh, that you can now say, well, I've, I've, I've I've lived this and this is what, this is what, um, you come to when you do realize to be kind to yourself, you know, um, you're going to get to know your body better than you ever have because it's going to get a break from all the punishment that it had. And, um, we, we just seem as guys to to go get in this cycle of self-destruction and, and don't actually know what it's like to feel good. So you've got, you know, tremendous opportunity in front of you to actually, like, recalibrate. By the time you're 50, you know, you're 54 now. By the time you're 56, life will be different. By the time you're 60, life will be different. And, you know, things will, will just continue to get better and better. I would have thought if, you know, you've become open and, and honest about yeah, your journey, but also open and honest about you know restoring your body and mind back to the way it's meant to be rather than feeling uh, out of balance would you agree
1: yeah a hundred percent it's about um yeah just getting to know my my body you know it was just a battering ram for for so many years and um it paid it no respect whatsoever but um you know the last two or two you know and i just doused the pain in alcohol and and you know, drugs, and and felt felt no pain. I thought I was invincible. But um, you know, the last, I suppose, the last. Oh God, to it. Oh, since recovery started, I mean, but I'm really feeling every every pain body I can. But you know, it's a it's a daily battle to um, just to stay on top of it, and meditation, and and. Um, the cold showers and the, the routine that I've got, um, yeah, and putting my head down every night clean and sober is, um, you know, a great way of going about it.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much to life as men that we don't actually uh, see or appreciate or, or any of that, and having the ability to be able to settle your mind is so important. So to do a meditation practice in the morning and night, which I know you do, that just gives you, gives you bookends where you, your mind can come back to, to that calmness again. And that that calmness is really, that that is our innate nature. We're not meant to be agitated. And when we do have trauma or when we have things happening in our life, it just knocks us out of balance. But just to slow down and settle down, I just think it, it gets you back to your equilibrium again. And, you know, for someone like you to be able to to catch it out after... Uh, 40 years pretty much of um of going around in the merry-go-round um you know it's such a gift and it's a special gift because you're not only going to help yourself you're going to help uh you know many people out there right
1: i cannot pump up uh this transcendental meditation enough but um mm. learning learning this technique has changed my life uh also recovery i keep saying recovery is the only reason why i'm doing it because um when i was a drinker and a drugger you know to meditate was you know get fucked i'm not meditating that's that's hippie shit or something you know and my mind just kept going and going and going but for this to be able to switch off you know it's like a car engine you know, a car engine has to be switched off and serviced, and this is just a mini service twice daily for twenty minutes. And it just—it just takes you to places that, um, yeah, that it—it breeds creativity. It, you know, it—it's it, just amazing. Uh, for anyone who's wondering whether they should, I would tell them to go and do a meditation course or learn transcendental meditation or any form of meditation it's just it's life-changing
0: i know the uh the the practice that you do um it was pretty much um like made uh common by a fellow by the name of steve griffith um in in melbourne in victoria Uh, he he learned this about 40 years ago and, um, I think I
1: spoke to him. I'm, I'm terrible with names, Aaron. Sorry for cutting you off. But right. I think that's the guy no. I spoke to. What, yeah. Steve? Yeah,
0: Steve's, what Steve's, Steve, Steve Griffith. He's been on this podcast. and um, Okay. Yeah, Steve, yeah Steve's uh, Steve's uh, learnt this a long time ago by, by from a, name, uh, a fellow by the name of Maharishi. Um, Maharishi, that's yeah, him. So, uh, Yogi yeah. Maharishi. Yes. That's him. Yeah, so... So mates, um, I'm like you. I, I've sort of come through all the wishy washy, and then sort of yep. come to this stage where meditation's been tremendous for me as well. And um, um, to be able to have a practice that uh, that I do daily, which just helps me wind back through the gears, getting back to feeling like this is what it's all about again. You know. Um, yeah. Yep. And um, we we're, we're just so so programmed to be wound up, uh, when we're young fellows. yeah, aren't we? And um, yeah. You...
1: How long have you been? practicing transcendental
0: yeah right it's interesting um uh things changed for me about 2009 um i i I got into fitness and uh sort of you know got got off the drinking and that a bit and uh, started to look after myself better and then i got into running and then i realized when i was running long distances i got into this like trance state yep everything was in such a flow you know and um after a, a, a fair few years of putting my body through hell, I was putting it through hell through booze and that before then, so... Um, how, um, hey? how far are you running?
1: Marathons? Yeah, mate, I,
0: I'd, I'd do maybe 120, 150k a week. And, Not um, in the car? No, 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 I'm on the foot. And, um, <laughs> wow. and but, you know, that, there was a lot of ego behind that too, but... I'd get up early in the morning and I'd go when there's no noise, mate. It was just pure bliss. It was you and the universe. Um, and you're yep, you're yep. in amongst life uh, in its essence, and you realise that this is what it's all about, mate. This is what it's all about. Mm. So to have that stillness, and I'd I'd get home and I'd I'd go to work and I'd just be calm all day. I just I just feel yeah, my consciousness was really high. I could see problems before they happened. I could see problems in under uh, other people before they happened and. Now, that, that, yep. that made me be kind to myself and then I was kinder to other people and, and that sort of had a bit of a flow on effect. So, so what I did is one day I got home and I used to live on a really steep hill and I got home and I sat there and I thought, what do I have to do to feel like this without putting my body through hell? And, you know, I went to the Buddhist Centre in Hobart and, um, okay. yep. and trying to sit still uh, was so hard for me, Rod because I'd always been one to be moving and that's why fitness and running was good because you're moving you didn't have to like confront yourself so yep. sitting still um it was really hard particularly in a freezing cold room you know um in South Hobart where there was no heating. yeah <laughs> uh, or, or West <laughs> yeah, Hobart it was the Buddhist center was in yeah West Hobart in an old house and and I had monks and wow. all those people there but but mate, I was okay in that environment, you know, because I'd sort of woken up a bit. But you know, back before then, I would there's no way known. I would have felt comfortable sitting there, you know, in a room of people nah. doing meditation. So, so that was the start of it, and um, and then yeah, I just learned more and more. I was able to do some really close work with some monks, and um, and that's. Really, that's great. Yeah, that's got fantastic. got me got me more interested in the mind and actually understanding you know how it works and how we've. We've really been um, programmed to work against
1: it rather than with it. Um, I've, um, I've I've read a, a a couple of spiritual books on Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if you would have heard of Eckhart Tolle. I have, and um, he says the mind is a beautiful tool if used correctly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and, and uh, you know it's it's uh, you got to learn to switch it off, and and that's where meditation worked for me, mate. Um, you know just the consciousness you know that you don't need um well as i say you um thought cannot exist without consciousness Mm. however consciousness does not need thought Mm, that's right right.
0: absolutely mate but Mm. being conscious Um, of the things that are important so you know your energy centers in your body so you know how they're working so they can work for you rather than against you and um you know how the breath can settle the mind and how uh, breath retention can settle the mind and all these sorts of things. Yep. Like we're, we're not taught in yep. school, you know, we don't learn this stuff. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Eastern cultures, I believe, uh, are so much more advanced than what we are out here. We've got a real real uh you know um environment here where it's all about fear force and control right and um when you are when you're not in that mode or not compliant then you are going to booze and drugs and that sort of stuff to get you away away from the the the, the ill feeling that you've got but you can actually like get that real nice balanced calm feeling within yourself by doing the practice that you're doing can you tell us a bit about that and also who taught you uh
1: with the meditation yeah Uh, Peter Jess who's a a football manager but he's looked after me for a lot of years he um, I was after doing the 12 steps you know program uh, that step 11's about meditation and all that so uh, in the rehab we learnt mindfulness and and that sort of stuff Um, but I wanted to go a bit further with it and I rang him and um, he put me on and I can't remember his name, but that name you told me, Steve. Steve Griffith, yeah. yep. Yeah, that rings a bell. But um, anyway, I spoke to someone and um, he said, go to this transcendental, you know, um, ring them. And, and I went and did the course, three-day course, which is not, you know, not full-on days. But anyway, it, um, yeah, it opened my eyes to to the, um, you know, a deeper sort of meditation Um Mm. Yeah, and also, you know, reading spiritual books and everything like that, um, you know, and practicing, you know, the spiritual principles, which, you know, I just (laughs) – it's just a whole new – it's just changed me so much, um, taking that first step to go into, you know, to to let the ego – to leave the ego behind, because that's what gets – money, personally speaking here for me was my you know greatest greatest um, problem was my ego mm. and um, since walking into the rooms and admitting my um, you know just being humble in life and just you know understanding you know there's there's help there for people who are struggling and um, it's readily available
0: mm, that's right mate but at the same time and it's sugar everything back that you realize that this world is giving us everything that we need you know it's giving us everything that we need we just complicate it through our, our thoughts feelings and emotions primarily and yeah. um, once you shuffle yeah. that back you become in in union with everything that's going on and that's that's the gift that we all have uh before us we've just got to you know allow ourselves to access that yeah i, I
1: I'm going a little bit deeper into the um eckhart Tolle part um a new earth the book's called and the power of now but the new earth talks about the ego and um you know and and your mind and when you when you look back in time the psychological time and the clock time mm, that's the, right. the psychological the psychological time is when you think about past and it's full of regret and and sorrow and when you when you move you know forward it's filled with anxiety and you know, I think this goes to rural country and all that, and they're probably thinking, you know, I wish we if we could get rain, you know, they're, they're looking ahead and all mm, that, and it just true. builds anxiety and, and, and all that. So yep. it's I know it's easy for me to say sitting in, in the city and everything like that, but, you know, if they can just live in the moment mentally, you know, it it, it takes, you know, a bit of that that anxiety away, I, I you know, mm. oh, that, that, that helps that for me. That helps for me, but you know, everyone's different.
0: You, you understand when the mind's getting ahead of you. You know, when, when you've got a practice which brings back calmness, I always talk about coming back through the gears. So you're into six gear quickly when your mind's at speed. And, yeah. uh, you know, to be able to say, okay, so it's going to come back, come back, come back to equilibrium again, because your, your behavior will be so much better when you're in that place rather than being, you know, um, I suppose, lit up.
1: You there? Yeah, mate, sorry. Just yeah, oh, 100%, mate. If I, if I let my mind take control like I used to and, you know, full of drugs and alcohol or even when i you know, in early recovery, man, I, I saw so many people leave the rehab because they couldn't turn their mind off. Mm-hmm you know, and they'd go back out and, and relapse and, um, you know, out of the 24, I think 24 that went through the rehab at one stage when I was there for a three-month period, everyone's broken and three have died and, you know, and, and I'm proud of this fact that I'm the only one who stayed um, clean and sober to this date. So Mark, um, That's incredible. Uh, yeah, well, when you when you walked into the rehab, they you know during uh, sessions and all that, they said, you know, and everyone's full of, you know, um, hope and everything that they want to get off the drugs, and and it's a it's a pretty it's a full on place rehab. You don't go there just for a, you know, for a picnic. Mm. You got to do the hard work and everything like that. And the the, the um guy who was standing up said, um, you know, who was a recovering addict himself five years clean said look around there's there's 20 people in the room Uh, you know the percentage is five percent of you will stay clean and the rest of you are going to break everyone goes oh bullshit Mm. no way yeah Yeah. (laughs) but but you know you've really got to you've really got to want it and um and just keep doing the the suggested things you know i'm i'm talking about the rooms that i'm in and um and that's that's a lot of you know doing your step work and, and and doing your reading and going to meetings and everything like that. But I mean, it, it's different when you're on a farm miles and miles away and everything like that. But mm,
0: that's true. When we when the only source uh, is the local pub, you know, um, to be able to, to to go beyond that. What was the what was the change for you, right? Like what was the catalyst for you to say, I've had enough of this. I'm going to do something now.
1: Putting a belt around my neck and trying to kill myself. Serious? Well, how long ago was that? Uh, I would have said it was the 21st of October, 2018, and I broke both hands punching walls just out of sheer coming down off OxyContin, mm. which is a painkiller for my hip, and that it's the <laughs> it's the fucking worst 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 um, carpet ride i've ever ever had in my life mm, mm. <laughs> and and that was my rock bottom and um you know it was it was incredible you know so i i rang a friend of mine who um who rang someone and got me into a rehab you know three days later and that was it that, mm. that, that changed my life you know but but i'd lost everyone i'd lost my kids, I've lost, oh, I've lost one daughter. The other one stayed fat right through, the youngest one. But, um yeah, mm. it's, um, uh, you know, I start shaking when I think about, you know, the, and it, you should never forget that how you felt at that stage of your life. And I I, I never will because it was just, it was the lowest of low. No mm, okay. doubt. But, but that's but that changed my life you know um that was rock bottom that's the bottom, so, the bottom uh, of the
0: stairs before you start climbing up again so you yeah yeah well,
1: and i and to, to climb out of it i listened to a lot of um well macklemore he sings about you know a, a lot about you know spiritual stuff and lifting yourself up and and all that and just yeah Ever since then, just started to um, really appreciate his music and listening to spiritual stuff and all that, and and doing the twelve step program. You know, learning about who I was, and, and and I mean, every step's designed there for a reason. But and when you get to the fourth step, uh, that is absolute life changing.
0: Mm. So how far how, how far are you now,
1: mate, with it? Uh oh, as in the, the steps, steps yeah. I'm the, third, I'm the third time through, okay. just about. I'm up to, I'm doing step 10 for the third time. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's yeah I, it
0: sounds I, interesting.
1: Well, it, it is. It is, you know, every step's there for a reason. But um, like I, you know, leaving school when I did and what happened to me, and you know, I just. Yeah, it just teaches you stuff that um, you know humility it teaches you you know Yeah, a lot it does it's you know It's it's changed my life and i'm i'm lost for words, but it's um mm. It really is amazing
0: The higher levels kind of consciousness mate absolutely and you've stepped into that now and your dad would be so proud of you You know that
1: Yeah, i've got a photo of him russell who wrote the story jackson he um he got some photos and he's got one. I'm looking at it now. He's got one of me and Dad on the couch with our arms around each other and yeah, smiling. And that um yeah, it's uh, brings it it's it's emotional. That's great. Mm. It's, um, yeah. Mate, it so is.
0: so <laughs> how's life for Rod now? Like you are in a really good space. You have got a good partner that's obviously been through a fair bit too with you and.
1: No, yeah, no, know, you, she's yeah, she's my soul. She's my soul partner, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we go through a lot. We do, we talk about stuff, and and we don't. Yeah, you know, there's no arguing. It's sit down as mature people and and talk about our feelings and all that and we we laugh about how you know like i act like i was drunk and i remember that and we go oh no we don't want to go there again but you know, it's just a great relationship you know of you know of um it's it, it really is it's um life's, life's good life's great but you know it's it's there's still the challenges every day of um yeah, you know, and I know if um, if I don't keep on top of it, you know, the, as they say, the uh, the disease is in the background, in the back of my mind, just doing push-ups, waiting for a relapse. And, um, yeah. and I know if I relapse, I'm dead. So, I mean, because mm. yeah, I found out I've only got one kidney and, um, you know, all this stuff. So, I mean, if, and when you relapse, you hit it that hard that I don't think my body could handle it. But... Mm. um and I don't want to find out either, Aaron. Tell you no, the truth. no, mate, absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm real. I'm really content and I'm peaceful and and yeah. I I'm love. I, I love life. It, you know, if I um just stick to the stick to the principles of, of recovery and that things that things are alright, mate. That,
0: you're so you're so blessed that you've got those supports around you, you know, at home and yeah. within the, you know, the, the, the program that you're following, which is, you know, really supportive of you. And I just really, you know, I, this, as I said, this is only the start for you. You've got so much to, to give and to look forward to. And I really hope that this conversation that we've had will help some people out there, but also, I believe it's helped me. Yeah, help help a lot of guys out there of all ages. You know, um, it doesn't matter whether you're 70 years of age listening to this, and you you've had some of the problems that that Rod's gone through. It's never too too late to change. Would you agree?
1: Oh, mate, I, I, I never thought I'd be in this position. You know, I, I was lucky to see 50, I suppose. I didn't care, but thank God. And, and I am blessed to have to have got through that time and, and the people around me, um, my sponsor, my partner, who I love dearly, um, my children, uh, my ex-partner and myself, we're still, you know, we're still friends, my mum, my brothers, who I'd lost. Mm. Yeah, look life's turned around and and it's all possible um no matter how old you are you know we just got to keep keep looking for that better better life out there and um and it starts for me it started when i when i put down the bottle and and the drugs and um i haven't even had a panadol in two years eight months and 18 days Mm, and and, um, yeah and it's um and even though i'm in pain but uh, it's, this pain's better than the pain I was causing to, to everyone around me and to myself, you know, mm-hmm. so be kind to yourself, as they say, and, um, yeah, well, um, hopefully it does touch someone, and, and, and only, you know, it's a cliche, but if it touches somebody, it's um, it's a good day, and that's true. So. Yeah,
0: agree. Well, that, that's I think that's why we're here as humans, mate, to support each other, not be separate and not... Uh, and not compare and judge and you know compete and all those sorts of things which takes us away from all the the good stuff so you know you you're so so lucky to be able to come to that now mate so i'm so grateful for this conversation rod um i really encourage people listening to, to to reach out to me and i can pass on your details and um you know i'm sure this is going to be lots of good come from this conversation and many more you know that you're going to have in the future so appreciate it
1: uh, you're a good man Aaron it's great to touch base with you thanks very much guys
0: thank you very much uh, for listening in um, yeah look just so many twists and turns with regards to to to, to the conversation and, and how lucky are we to have rod with us to talk about his journey um, you know what he went th- what he went through is is uh, unfortunately um, you know quite common with regards to his experiences at school, um, that, that, that goes unspoken and, you know, I'm really proud that he's, uh, brave enough to talk about it. And, um, you know, if you have experienced similar things, uh, maybe touch base with me and I can put you on to Rod, um, to, to have a conversation with him. Um, but yeah, certainly I, since this podcast started, I've spoken to, to people that, that, that experienced similar things, um, and now they've felt, comfortable to speak about it so um yeah it's it's uh, such a a tricky one but i guess um if we can start to move through these emotions and start to learn coping mechanisms and strategies like rod has to be able to manage life better then those thoughts uh, don't sort of become as relevant and prevalent as much as what they once were so please touch base with me support at outbackmind.com.au, website outbackmind.com.au. Thank you very much for listening, in, guys. Really appreciate you, uh, uh, supporting the podcast and share with share with uh, others that this may be helpful. Thank you.